Well, I'd like to welcome you all here this morning. <clears throat> we will begin the service. We'll sing number 199, Did You Think to Pray? Number 199. <clears throat> Oh, <laughs> 
thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's the way we can communicate with Jesus Christ and God the Father. And let's keep that in mind. Let's don't forget those things. And then not just when something comes up, but that should be on our mind immediately when we get up in the morning. Is asking the Lord to lead God and direct you through the day. Not just when something comes up that we may feel like that it's going to be bad for us that we start praying for it. But we should be praying each and every day for our daily bread. Just whatever it might be, Lord, whatever you see fit, let us be reconciled to that. And let us have hope of eternal life through Jesus Christ. What a wonderful opportunity we have. And as I look around here this morning, and I see everyone that's here. And I was just thinking a little earlier, and I think about this a lot when I see the group here, that we're all here today. The next Sunday, we may not all be here. Some may be in eternity. We see that quite often. Or we may see some friend or something that we see today or we see, or see have seen this past week, but he may be in eternity before another week goes by. And how will that end up with you and I? If the Lord calls for the work of his hands today, where will we spend eternity? And we have the opportunity to be with him, and we can know that. He paid the price for us to be able to have that eternal life. And I know that's something that we talk about constantly, but that's why, we, that's why he came here to the earth. There is no other reason that Christ came here and he did what he did but to secure eternal life for you and me and all of mankind, for them to have their sins to be removed so that they could have a Holy Spirit within them, a new spirit, a new man within you and me so that then we could continue on in righteousness with that spirit from that day forward. What a wonderful opportunity it is and what a wonderful thing it is to know what he has done for us. And I want us to all this morning to just, in the beginning of the service, let's say I'm going to let the Lord direct me. I'm going to let him Take Satan out of my mind this morning. Satan will be there, and he is just as it was in that sower. As the words are sown today, will we allow it to fall on that good ground, or will we allow Satan to come in and immediately take it out of our mind because we've got something else on our mind that what we're going to do today or what we're going to do this afternoon or this week, whatever it might be, or what took place in the following week. All of these things, Satan can just rush it right into your mind. And if we leave it there, it'll take the place of the word of Jesus Christ. Let's be at one with him. 
And let's let our mind be refreshed with His Spirit. And let's see victory in Christ Jesus our Lord. here this morning to Matthew. It's the 27th chapter of Matthew, and I want to read some there this morning. Jesus Christ, this was right in the end of his life. He had been here upon the earth now for approximately 33 years. He had been obedient to his Father in everything. He was perfect. Nobody else has ever lived a perfect life here on the earth but him. But mankind was jealous. They were envious. The Jews were of what have, what was taking place there, what had taken place, and how people were believing upon him, and how he was talking and saying that he was the Son of God, and they hated him for that instead of accepting him, and they put him through that cruel mockery of a trial. And that's a lot of what's in this book here to this chapter. We'll start reading at the 27th chapter, the first verse. And when the morning was come, all the chief priests and the elders and the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate the governor. All of these people, all of the authorities there, the chief priests and the elders, the ones that were supposed to be leaders in the church, leaders in God's work in that day. And what were they doing? Took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. Now we look upon these things and we say, why would they do that? And, they, and when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. And why did they do these things? And why will you and I today not be following 100%, following his word, and hearing that still small voice, hearing his word when we come together, able to read his word and to see what his word says. And you know, if we aren't following it right to the letter of how he would have for us to follow it today, if we aren't where we need to be spiritually, we are no more than what these people here were. They were just not obedient to the word of God. They were envious of it. And is that the case with some of us today? Are we obedient to the Word of God in our day of how He would have for us to live our life? 
Are we envious of something? What is in our mind today? Are we different? Christ said that we had to be different from these Pharisees and the Sadducees. There had to be a difference. He looked upon them and he saw of how they were trying to live a religious life but not a righteous life. How they wanted to do things on their own. And he said, you must be different from that. Are we different today? Are we seeking righteousness? Are we here to just go along and try to do things because it's a tradition or it's because it's just something that feels good to me? But I want to truly follow Jesus Christ and willing to just put it into His hands. Full faith and trust in Him. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priest and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. Where did he go? He saw that he had done something wrong, but where did he go? He went back to the people that he had made the deal with. And he says, I've sinned, and that I have betrayed the innocent blood. Did he go to God the Father? Did he go there and repent? It does not appear that way. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. What a terrible thing this was. Here was this man that had been there with Jesus Christ for approximately three years, and he had seen all the miracles, he had heard all the word, he had had power to go out and to cast out devils and heal sick, all of these things he had. And he let Satan deceive him. Let Satan destroy him. What is in our life is what I want us to all to understand today. We can come out here to church all of our life, years in and years out. We can hear the Word. We can see others grow in the truth. But what is it with you? What is it with me? Am I growing? Are you growing? Are you getting closer to the Lord? Are you getting farther away? Have you moved away? Have you lost part of that first love, as they said in the, in the revelations there to one of the churches? That's what happened here. This man loved the things of the world more than he loved the things of Jesus Christ and of God. And he thought that that 30 pieces of silver, those few coins, would bring him great happiness. But what did it do? It brought him great sorrow. What did it do? It destroyed him. What will it do in your life? Are you going to allow Satan to come in and to take you away? Are you going to allow him to destroy you? Or you want to use the Spirit of God to be able to overcome? He says, I will give to you power a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. We go over that over and over and over. Is that in us today? The power of God to overcome sin. 
And the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, It is not lawful to put them into the treasure because it's the price of blood. And they took counsel and they bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Wherefore that field is called the field of blood, and to this day then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value, and gave them to for a potter's field, as the Lord appointed me, prophesying hundreds of years before what was going to take place there. And it did take place. Betraying Jesus Christ. And I believe, what did he say? He said it would have been good for that man if he had never been born. And the same thing will be with each and every one of us. It would have been good for us never to have been born than to betray Jesus Christ. Think about those things. But we have been born. We've talked about that a lot recently. We have had that natural birth. Every one of us have. He says now you have to have that spiritual birth and you can have eternal life. And he says, I came here to give it to you. I will send it to you. Ask and you, sh you shall receive it. Do you truly want it? Is that what you are desiring today? I believe that I know that there was others that did desire that. They desired to want to get closer to the Lord, even though they had made major mistakes, some of them. Peter did. Made major mistakes there in denying Jesus Christ. But he repented of those things, and then he was ready to go on in the work. And he was there teaching and preaching on the day of Pentecost to the people so that they could understand. And then he went on and he did a marvelous work. We've read recently about how he went into Cornelius. He followed what God asked him to do, even though it was going against what he had always believed. What God showed him to do, there was a new work that was coming to pass at that time. All of these things was new. And it's new to you and I. We came here spiritually dead. We came here with a different spirit. And it's a new birth. It is a new word when it comes to us. The gospel of Jesus Christ. That we can see it. We can understand it. We can know it. And we can be a part of it. And he gave them to the potter's field as the Lord appointed me. And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest it. And when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. God just was directing what he had to say. And he understood and he knew that this was why he had been born, why he was here upon the earth. And he just let them have all their say that they wanted to. And he was not there to try to refute it. He knew what was about to take place. 
Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him, Never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. You know what? Think about us today. What would we be doing? If somebody was there accusing us of something, and we knew it was totally wrong, would we be willing to just wait on the Lord? Wait upon the Father. That is what Jesus Christ was willing to do. Just wait upon Him. He had prayed earnestly for this to go away. But He said, if not, let thy will be done. And that's what He was doing here. He knew there was no reason for Him to try to make long dissertations there to try to change their mind. He knew what was about to happen, and he answered him to never a word, waiting upon his father. And I believe his father was right there with him, giving him power to overcome, giving him power to just be reconciled to what was about to happen. Now at the feast, the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. And they had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate saith unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. For envy they had delivered him. And Pilate could see that. Pilate could see that this man had done nothing amiss. He had done nothing wrong. And that these people had, had great envy toward him. And that's why they had brought him there. That's why they wanted to kill him. And Pilate here tried to do something so that he could save Jesus' life. He said he thought that this murderer, this man Barabbas, this man that had been involved in trying to overthrow the Romans and had committed great crimes, he thought, maybe if I'll tell them I'm going to have to release one here, I'm going to take the most notorious prisoner that we have and say, I'll release him or I'll release Jesus. And he thought, well, they will choose Jesus. But they didn't. What is in our mind today? Think about these things. We have a choice to make. We can choose to serve Jesus Christ or we can continue to serve the most notorious criminal, deceiver, liar that could possibly be Jesus Christ. I mean, Satan. Jesus Christ had nothing to do with any of that. Jesus Christ can give you power over it. But Satan is that notorious liar, deceiver. That is him. Just like this deceiver here, Barabbas. And they chose Barabbas. 
There are people throughout the world today choosing Satan over Jesus Christ. And that's what was happening there in that day. What will it be in us? I want us to all to listen and let's pay close attention to what he's doing and see the things that are happening that happened in that day and we look upon it and say, why would we have done that? Well, look at ourselves today. Why will we choose Satan over Jesus Christ today in our everyday life? Why will we do that? Because we, if that's the case, if we do those things, we're no different from them. If we have that new birth, if we have that new spirit within us, we will choose Jesus Christ. We will choose Him to be our Savior, to be our Master. We'll choose God the Father to be our Father. And we will choose life over death. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, How thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. I believe Pilate could see that there was something different in this man. And hear his wife sending him a message have nothing to do with that just man, she says. For I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. I have seen things. I have had things troubling my mind because of him. What a dream that I have had about this man. Him being a just man. Don't you put him to death. Have nothing to do with that. You turn it over to the Jews is what she was basically saying to him that day. The chief priest and the elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The chief priest and the elders... Again, those that were supposed to be high and mighty people, religious people in that day. Look around throughout the world today. There are people that are supposed to be high and mighty in, the, in religion, in the Christian faith. But are they persuading people to put away their worldly lifestyle? Or are they encouraging people in that type of thing, in entertainment and in things here, living in a lifestyle that goes in direct opposition to the Word of God. That's no more than what these chief priests and they did here in that day were persuading the multitude of the people to ask for Barabbas and to destroy Jesus. And when you see people preaching and teaching something that goes in opposition to the Word, that you're not doing anything but trying to destroy Jesus Christ and what He did here upon the earth in the name of Christianity. 
is what is going on today. Friends, it cannot be. God's work will overcome in the end. His work will never be destroyed. Yes, man will try to put it off just as they were trying to put his work down and put it off here as they were trying to destroy Jesus Christ. But did that destroy it? Did that stop it? Absolutely not. He fulfilled and he said, it is finished. Man's redemption was finished. And now he was able then to send them that new birth, that Spirit of the Holy Ghost was able to be sent to mankind so that they could overcome and then they were able to go out and to spread the Word just as it is being spread today. And there are places that it is being spread properly and truthfully just as it was in that day. There was people that was teaching it. Jesus Christ and His disciples were teaching and preaching the Word the way it should have been done. And others were believing. And they were growing. And they were growing closer to God. The governor answered unto them and said unto them, whether of the twain were you that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all said unto him, Let him be crucified. Look at the hatred there, the envy, the hatred that they had toward this man, Jesus. We will take this murderer, this deceiver, Barabbas, set him free. Let him be back among us. And Jesus said, wanting to know, he wanted to do something, he says, maybe they will come up with something and tell me to just put him in the prison or chastise him or something. He gave them another opportunity. What will you have for me to do with Jesus? And what was their word? What did they ask him or tell him to do? They all said unto him, Let him be crucified. Awful. Terrible thing that was happening in that day. Because why was this taking place? The Son of God, the man that had lived a righteous and a perfect life here upon the earth. And they were saying, let him be crucified. The ones that were supposed to be the religious leaders. And the governor said, why? Pilate even looked around and he could see there was something, just as he said before, that he knew they had done this for envy. He says, why? What evil has he done? Why will we not totally surrender to him today? He has never done anything wrong. He has been perfect here upon the earth and he was while he was here upon the earth and he is there at the right hand of God the Father today mediating for you and for me that you might have eternal life. 
And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. Satan. Nothing but Satan there within these people. And when Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent from the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Tried to get out of it. He tried to do things that would show that he was innocent of that blood, but he was not. Then answer all the people and said, His blood be on us and our children. I want you to listen to that very, very closely. I want you to think about what was said there. Pilate told them, he says, this man's done nothing amiss. And why are you doing this? He hadn't done anything evil. They said, crucify him. He saw there that they were so adamant that if he did not do that, it would cause a great riot there. And in those days, Pilate was afraid of anything that would cause that because of the Romans there, of how they wanted nothing like that. And they would come in and take authority and maybe take him out of the position that he was. If something like that took place, they were very strict about that kind of thing. And when he saw that, he took that. I want you to just visualize this in his mind. He got a basin of water there. And he told the people that he washed his hands in that. And he says, now you take him and do whatever. I am clean. I am free from this man's blood. Because I am not approving this. But you go and you do whatever you want to do to him. But then they answered with this answer that he said, that they said. This was with the Jews, the high priest, and all of the others there, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, whoever it was. This was put upon thee. They said this, and I believe to this day that is some of the problems that they're having there today. He says, then answered all the people and said, His blood be upon us and on our children. His blood be upon us and on our children. Do you think that the favor of God would be upon someone that had his, child, his son, his only begotten son, that they had him crucified. They hated him so much. They envied him so much that he was crucified because of them. And they, and they said, put that blood upon us, and not only on us, but on our children for generations to come. I certainly wouldn't want to have any part in anything like that. I want to have part in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, not in his death.
that death was brought upon him. God the Father allowed that to happen. But God the Father overcame that death and he resurrected Jesus Christ out of the grave, resurrected him back to life. And that's the part I want to be a part of. I can be and you can be resurrected spiritually back to life. We came here dead spiritually. But because He was resurrected, because He lived, because He died, because He rose again, I can rise to meet Him in the air when He comes again. And He will. He was born upon the earth. He was filled with the Spirit of God. He overcame all things. He died on the cross. He was put in the tomb. He was resurrected back to life. He was here up on the earth with His disciples for a period of about 40 days. And He was resurrected. He ascended up into the clouds to be with God the Father in the right, at the right hand of Him, mediating for us today. And He will come again. He will come with a great trumpet sound of the trumpet and the dead in Christ shall rise and then we which are alive and remain here upon the earth will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye and we will rise to meet him in the air to ever be with him because he was resurrected back to life. Over death, we will have power over death. All of those rise out of the grave. And all of the other righteousness here alive be changed and rise to meet Him in the air. What a wonderful sight that will be. And I know that we can be a part of that, friends. Won't that be something? And isn't that something to think about? The wonderful days. The wonderful thing that is about to happen here upon the earth. Someday, He will come again. He will come. And take all the righteous with Him to be with Him for a thousand years, all the righteous. And then, there will be that great judgment day. And all that are names are not written in the Lamb's book of life will be cast into that lake of fire. But all that their names are in that Lamb's book of life and all that was there in that first resurrection, that second death, will have no power on them. And they will be able then to just go right on into the 
new Jerusalem there with God the Father to ever be with them and all the righteous forever and ever and ever and ever. And we've got that opportunity to know Him today. We've got that opportunity to live in accordance with how He'd have for us to live. Let's be at one. Then He released Barabbas unto them. And when He had scourged Jesus... He delivered him to be crucified. He delivered Barabbas unto them. And then he had Jesus beaten. I don't know all about those things and why he did that, but with the mind that he had, why did he do that? But he did. He allowed Jesus. He sent him to be crucified. He sent him to be scourged. And when he had scourged him, he beat him first. Then he sent him to be crucified. Think about, this is our Savior. This is the man that had never done anything wrong. This is the man that went through this so that you and I can be redeemed from hell. He went through all of this for that. And they stripped him. Well, then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered him, the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee to him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit on him and they took the reed and smote him on the head. Think about what we're reading here. Again, visualize this in your mind. And why was he doing this? That's what I want you to all to understand. Can you just visualize what took place? They stripped him of his everyday clothes. He came here not in any glorified condition. They stripped him in that brought a whole band of the soldiers in here, a whole group of people now, to make fun of Jesus Christ about what was about to happen to Him. Are we making fun of His Word today because we aren't living in accordance with it? We aren't abiding in His Word? Are we making fun of it? That's what was going on here to them. They, put a, they took a bunch of thorns, made like briars, and they wove them around and said, we'll make you a crown, you king. Mocking him. Put that on, up on his head with the thorns penetrating in down into his skull. And they took a, a robe, a scarlet robe, something that a king would be wearing, and they put that upon him with that crown of thorns mocking him. Put a reed in his hand to make it look like a staff that a king would carry. But then they took that and they started beating him with it, hitting him over the head so that those thorns would go deeper into his head. And he never said a word. All because of you. 
and me. Visualize this in your mind. See it of what was taking place. All because of you and me. He went through these things. And they didn't just stop there as they hit him and beat him and bowed before him and mocking him. And they spit on him. And they smote him on the head. And after they had mocked him, they took the robe off from him and put his own, own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. And as they came out, they found a man of serene Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they were come into a place called Golgotha, that is to say, the place of the skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall, and when he tasted thereof, he would not drink. They tried to give him something that they used in that day to suppress pain. But when he tasted and he knew what it was, he would not drink of it. Because he wanted to have a clear mind he wanted to go through whatever God had in line for him to go through in this. He would go through it depending totally upon his Father. And they crucified him. When we read over that, and we just go on, and they crucified him. Do you know what that really means? Do you know what actually happened there? That they had this great big wooden cross made out of big timbers. And they stretched out his hands upon that. Think about that. Look at it in your mind. Hear how he was beaten, how he had the blood running down his face from the crown that was upon him that had been injuring his head and the whips that they had beaten him with was oozing blood, the pain. And now they lay him down, throw him down upon that cross, stretch out his hands and drive big stakes through his hand, nails. Visualize, think about the pain that was going through this body For you, that's what I want you to think about. For you and for me. And then they pulled his legs together. And they drove those spikes through his feet. Again, the pain and the agony that he was going through. For you and for me. And then they stand that cross up and I doubt they were very gentle with anything and they throw it up and it falls down in the hole with a jolt. I am hanging there on that tree. And them making fun of him. If you're the king, come down off that cross. And one beside him even. They crucified two others there with him. 
them railing out on him. And one of them, one of the gospels talks about how one of them he chastised the other one and he says, Do you not see that we are in the same condemnation as this just man? And can you not see that each and every one of us today came here lost, eternally lost? And without this just man, you will go to hell. But because of what he did here, all of it, if you will accept him and believe in him and put our faith and trust in him, You've got eternal life. But what did He do for you? And for that man there that was on the cross, He says, Lord, remember me when Thou comes into the kingdom. And that's what I want you and I to be doing today. Saying, Lord, remember us. And he said to the man, This day thou shalt be with me in paradise. That is the most wonderful thing that I can think about what he had to say. Here on the cross, this man was saved. And he now is in paradise with Jesus Christ. That's the love that He has for you and for me and all the world. That's the love that He had. He hung on that cross and they spit on Him before. And they led Him away and they crucified Him. And they crucified Him and parted his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there. And they set up over his head an acquisition written, This is Jesus, the Son of... This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. And there were two crees crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And the people there came by wagging their heads. Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself and be, if thou be the Son of God. Come down from the cross. And likewise the chief priest mocking him with the scribes and elders. He saved others himself. He cannot save if he be the king of Israel. Let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God and God was going to deliver him. God did deliver him. God allowed him to go through all of that for you and me. I keep saying that. All of this was taking place for us, let's don't be as these people. They passed by wagging their heads. Let's accept Jesus Christ as He is, as, as he, what He did for us. And let's become at one with Him. You know, We've read several things here today about why 
these people did what they did. And I was reminded this morning about some things, about mankind and about what is in man. And I've just been thinking about it the whole time here this morning, a lot about it. And I had written down a few things here. I had no idea I'd read about this today. But I'd written down a few things here of what was in man and some of the things that why these people here was crucifying Jesus Christ really is what it amounts to. It's the same spirit, same thing. And I want to go over some of those things. Let's turn here to Timothy, 2 Timothy. Second Timothy, the third chapter. And some of the things here that he talks about. Something that's going to happen here in the end. He says, This know also, that in the last days, pearliest times shall come. And why were they coming? Because of the, of the way men were getting away from God, getting away from Christ, putting Christ aside. That's why these pearliest times were coming. That's why they crucified Jesus Christ. They didn't want the Word of God. They didn't want light. They loved darkness rather than light. And here, he says, For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, lovers, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Now I want you to think about what I just read there. Those attributes that he said was going to be in the people at the end of times while there would be pearliest times coming. Did you see any of those things in the people there that was accusing Jesus Christ? I did. I could see a lot of this is why they were accusing him. Why they wanted him off the earth. Why they wanted to be self-governed by their own logic, by their own rules. And I want us to go back now and let's think just a little bit about some of these things. He says, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. Do we see that today? That they love their own self more than anything. Then that they want to look after self instead of looking after others and helping others. Covetousness. What does covetousness mean? It's an inordinate desire for wealth or possession or for others' possessions. An inordinate desire. 
A desire above all other things is the way I look at that. And can you look around and see that throughout the world today, how covetous. But I want you to look right here at your own individual self and me. Is that in us? Is that in you? Is it in me? An inordinate desire, a great desire, one above all things for wealth or possessions of worldly goods or for others, for other the, the possessions that other people have. You want it because they have it. Now is that in our life? This is what he was writing to Timothy about, that these kind of things would be in people's lives. I want us to look right at ourselves and see... Is this the case? That's what was in these people's minds that was having Christ crucified. And then you go on and he says, there, the next thing he says, boasters. Who is, what does that mean, boasters? Well, what does boast mean? Talk with excessive pride and self-satisfaction about one's achievements or abilities. And I believe that's what the scribes and those high priests and all those were boastful in their own accomplishments, in their own well self-pride that they had in their self. And they wanted to put down this man that had come such a lowly way. And they looked upon themselves as being high in authority and high among mankind and they wanted to boast about that kind of thing. They have pride in their self-satisfaction about their achievements themselves and their abilities that they thought that they had. Then he goes right on. And he says, blasphemer. And that is just being... Well, I'm sorry there, I skipped the one there. He says, proud. And what is that in our life today? He says there, having or showing a high or excessively high opinion of oneself or of one's importance. And that's exactly, I see all of that right in those Pharisees and scribes and all that. And can we see that throughout the world today? Let's don't let any of these again... Let's, let's, the reason I want to go over this is so we understand. Sometimes we just read through things and we don't really stop and think about, well, what does that really mean? When I look at these little words here, there's a meaning to every one of them. And what is that to us? That's what I want us to all to understand there so that we can, can understand that. Then, then he says then, blasphemers to speak in a way that shows irreverence for God. That's what these people were doing. They were speaking and teaching in that day in a way that was not reverence toward God, toward God's Son. They were the ones that was blaspheming God's Word, but they were saying Jesus was the one that was blaspheming His Word, and that was not the case. And that's not only in word, my friends. That is in our actions also. 
Are you blaspheming the word of the Lord by your actions, by what you are doing, your way you are living here upon the earth, that you are showing irreverence in of Him, that you are not being reverent to the word of God by your words, by your deeds, by your everyday actions. You can just see that's what was taking place in those days. And he, then he goes on and he says, disobedient to parents. That is sort of the thing, can, and that just spells it out very plain and clear what he was talking about. Disobedient to parents. Just to, that's a commandment of God for children to be obedient to parents. Do you see that throughout the world? Do you see it in your life? in your family, that there is a obedience to the parents. And then he goes on, unthankful. And again, that just speaks for itself. Are you thankful for what God has given to you? Are you thankful for what Jesus Christ did on that cross? Do you ever think about that? And are you thankful that he did that so that you could have eternal life? Those Pharisees and scribes, they were not thankful at all about what he had done here upon the earth. Are you and I thankful today? And all the things that he has given to us naturally, are we thankful and do we want to use them to his honor and to his glory? Thankfulness. Unholy. Unholy. What does that mean? The opposite of holy. It means sinful or wicked. Is that in our lives today? Is there sin there that is constantly plaguing us? Is there wickedness in your mind, in your thoughts He's saying here that these are things that is going to come across in the latter days that will be very perilous toward man, that will be very dangerous, the way I look at that, toward Christians. That these things are there. Satan is throwing them out and he is there tempting people and trying to get them involved in this type of stuff. That's what happened to Judas. He became proud. He wanted money. He became a blasphemer. He was disobedient to God. Go on. And he says, without natural affection, look around through the world today. Mothers, with no more natural affection for that young child in, its, in her womb than to have it murdered. Do you think that that is natural affection? The natural affection of a mother is to take care of that child. These are things that we see in everything. The natural affection there is not just that type thing, but the natural affection, if you see anybody in any kind of trouble that you think you might could help, do you have that natural affection to want to go and to do what you can for them? 
He says that in this end of the time, the people will be without that. Do we have that in us? Truth breakers. Nothing more but just people there that do not keep their word. And you can see that throughout the world today. That is a common thing of men telling things and do not do it. Liars. But you'll never find that in, the, in God. You'll never find that there in Jesus Christ. All of His Word is the truth. He never lied. And what He has promised, He will overcome, friends. False accusers. That's just self-explanatory too. False accusers. Are you accusing someone falsely in something? To try to make you look good. Should never be. We should always be teaching the truth. We should always be speaking the truth. He says, let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. Never false accusers. Incontinent. What does that mean? Incontinent. Lack of self-control. Lack of self-control. Do you have power over this body? What did Paul say? Paul said that I must stay under this body and bring it under subjection lest even after I have preached unto others, I myself should be a castaway. Here Paul was warning him, warning this young teacher that that would be something in the latter days that would be rampant. And we can see that throughout the world today, how that people have no lack, or they have lack, they have no self-restraint. They have lack of self-restraint. And it's just whatever I want to do, whatever it feels good to this body, that's what I'm going to do. And it goes on from drugs to alcohol to sex to all manner of things, pornography, all manner of things that People just don't have, they have no self-restraint in that. And it just leads on to destruction. Let's, don't, let's see and know and understand what he's talking about here. And he was warning him 2,000 years ago about this and how rapid it is today. Fierce. False accusers incontinent. Fierce despisers of those that are good. Traitors. Heady. The word heady there. Something that strongly affects your senses. A desire that you are desiring so strong, so heavy that it overpowers your good judgment. And that happens. It happens all along. Or that you are using something, you are doing something 
that is so powerful that it overpowers your better judgment. Don't let these things come in and get that kind of a grip upon you that it overpowers your good judgment. High-minded. We all know how that can be. Just somebody there that looks upon themselves and says, I am above you. I am better than you because I have this or I have that. We should never be that way. But he says, go and sit down in the lowest room that when the one that comes in asks you, why are you sitting here, friend? You go up and, and sit in a higher place. If it's necessary for us to go there, let's let someone else direct us there. Let's be very low in our own self, that looking upon ourselves, that we are not in a high place ourselves, high-minded. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. That has the world by both hands and both feet today. That right there does. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. And what is it in our life today? Is that what we are looking for? The pleasures of the world? are the pleasures of God. God says, I will give you true happiness. I will give you eternal life. I'll give you hope. I'll give you peace. I'll send to you a comforter. That's what he says. But Satan is telling you, here, the pleasures of this world, just here, you partake of that, and once you partake about it, you see it's nothing, and now you want to partake in something else. It's just on and on and on. But the true pleasures of God brings that great peace and great happiness, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And we can see that. And then is that right here in you or me today? That's what I want you to look and let God examine you about. Having a form of godliness. You come out to church or people go to church. They can quote scriptures. They can do all kind of things. But then turn right around and denying the power of God in them that they can't overcome sin. And that they'll say, I am a sinner. My sins are covered by God, by Jesus Christ. Our sins are taken away. And our sins, He will give us power over those sins. We can't go out here and live habitually in sin. That's having a form of godliness by proclaiming all these things. And then if we are living habitually in sin, we are denying the power of God. It's a pretty weak God that's, that if that's the case, 
if He sent His Son here and He overcame everything, overcame the cross, but then He can't overcome sin in you, something would be wrong if that was the case. And He can't overcome it in you until you are born again. Until you reconcile to God the Father through Jesus Christ our Lord by repenting, by having faith in Him, believing in Him, repenting and being baptized for the remission of your sins. Then He can give you that new power, that power that I talked about. Then you have that power to overcome. And you can see victory. For of this sort are they that creep into houses and leave silly women laden with sins and led, lead away, led away with divers' lust, ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And I don't want to be in that at all. Ever just learning. And you can be that way, ever just learning Scriptures, but never coming to the knowledge of Jesus Christ because you haven't repented, as He said. Because you have not believed and trusted in Him. That's why. Let's don't be any of that. Let's be full of truth. Let's be full of the power of God. And let's remember these things here that we can just read over them quickly a lot of times and never even think about what they really mean and how it can be right there in our life. Let's get it out. Let's put it into the hands of Jesus Christ and let's be at one with Him today, my friends. And not be as the scribes and the Pharisees were. He mentioned one other there. He says a traitor, a person who betrays a friend, country, or a principal. I don't want to betray Jesus Christ and what He did here upon the earth. And I know I can be at one with Him. And I know I can have eternal life. And I know that of a fact that He has been able to give me that. And He can give it to you. And I want to help you. And I want to help lead you to eternal life. We'll bring this meeting to a close. We'll sing. Number 319, there is a great day coming, and there he is. And if there's someone here that would like to make that commitment today to Jesus Christ, you can do it by coming forward and having a seat here on this front bench. And we'll sing number 319.
to everyone pay close attention to what we just saw are you ready for that judgment day he says there is a great day coming there is a bright day coming but its brightness shall only come to them that love the Lord are you ready there's a sad day coming a sad day. When the sinner shall hear his doom, depart from me. I know you not. I hope that gets our attention. I hope the message today has gotten our attention. And let's move up to where the Lord wants us to be. And let's let it be that bright day. That great and wonderful day that we will be with Jesus Christ and God the Father forever.
Let us pray. To God the Father, we thank you for your wonderful words of instruction and encouragement that we have been able to receive today. And I beg that the seed, the word, falls upon good ground and it is able to bring forth fruit and everyone that has hears this word today and that they are able to see victory. They are able to have power over sin. God, we just beg for guidance. We beg to be filled with your Spirit, filled with your wisdom and knowledge, so that we are able then to encourage and to lead about others here upon the earth to you, not to lead them into the things of the world, but to lead them to you and to be encouraged in your word, your work, as we go through this life. God, we beg that your will be done in us and that we use the things you've entrusted into our hands to your honor and to your glory. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.